Lord God, wake us up to a worship for you now this fall. In the midst of all this struggle, may our worship not stop. And all of God's people said, well, hey, Summit Point Church, it's great to be here with you. I, I got to be honest, when uh, we talked about the opportunity to be able to do a video and get things out that way, I thought for sure we'd use that sometime throughout the summer and fall. I thought it would be more about COVID, and it's not. In this case, uh, as you probably all have heard, I ended up having a little uh, accident. I tripped uh, in the woods and ended up falling and just fell awkwardly and and uh, bruised some front ribs and broke some back ribs. So just a little tender, not able to make it all the way through a whole day, but for sure wanted to be able to bring the preach to you. So we're doing it video style, all right? I'll tell a little bit more about the story of the injury in just a second here, but uh, let's get started. You know, we are in a series here called Light the Fire. Light the Fire. We're talking about what it looks like to have a church on fire for Jesus Christ for all of us individually, as families, and as a church to be able to go after our God with all we've got. And here as we start into 1 Timothy chapter 5, he's beginning to change topics now. Now he's talking about the ministries of the church. What does a church on fire have as far as ministries? And so this gives us some understanding and some opportunity on where we could be going, where we should be going, and where we already are going. Praise God for that, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 1, as we begin to dive in on the ministry, caring for the family of God, caring for the family of God. And this is the first part of his ministry. I love that he starts out with the ministries being about care, all right? Point number one here as we jump in, treat the church as your family and lovingly care for one another. Treat the church as your family and lovingly care for one another. So we get started here in 1 Timothy 5 verse 1, it says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him. In fact, that word rebuke there uh, literally means don't strike a blow. Don't punch with your words. Don't punish with your words. Don't try to make somebody hurt because they did something you don't necessarily agree with. Using our words aggressively and harshly is not the plan. And he's like, Timothy, you're a young guy. Show a lot of respect for those older than you. You're the pastor of the church. Care for them well. Man, may we re respect all of those that are older than us, wiser than us, more seasoned than us. He's like, don't use your words to punish, Timothy. Your age really calls for you to be showing respect appropriately, but it's not just because they're older. For all people, show a respect in it. He says, but encourage him. But encourage him. Use your words to lift him up. The word encourage there uh, literally means to show respect and care with the tone of voice, and with the word choice. Encourage him. Call him along the right path. And uh, make sure that you're leading and guiding the church using favorable, positive word choice. Man, we care for those around us with the words we use. Think about yourself in your own home. Think about yourself within the church. And the words we use say, I love you, or I'm fed up with you. Be careful with the words you choose. And you know, I just want to talk about this word encouragement for just a moment. Uh, society has tried to take it hostage along with a lot of other vocabulary recently. 
and try to change definitions. And the word encouragement has started to mean something different. It sort of means, um, I'll enable you and empower you to do whatever you want, no matter how wrong it is. You just keep on doing whatever you want to do, man. And uh, that's not biblical encouragement. Everybody say, not. Say it louder, say it bigger. I know I'm not right there with you and this is video, but say it loud, say it big. Right? Not. It is not just approve of anything and everything that's going on, right? And uh, so what is encouragement? Here's four words I put together real quickly. Number one, supportive, the obvious. Encouragement is supportive. Uh, Point out what's going well. You're not really encouraging very well if the only thing you're doing is pointing out what's going wrong, right? So be supportive. Think of what's going well. Um, Appreciate that in them and, and state that. Number one is supportive. Number two, gentle. Use your tone and your word choice that lifts up. Okay, your tone and your word choice. Be gentle as you're working along the way. Encouragement is always going to have a gentle tone to it. Screaming angrily, nice words, does not get it done, right? And so make sure your words and your tone match what you're trying to accomplish. Supportive, gentle. Third one. This is a big one now. This is where we turn the corner and step away from what the world is selling. Aware. Encouragement is aware. Don't fake that everything is good. Don't fake that everything is bad either. Right? See it for what it is. Have your eyes open. Be discerning. To truly be encouraging, you have to be able to see it the way it is. Be aware, all right? So supportive, gentle, aware, and then here's the last one, truthful. Yes, truthful. This is where the world would completely disagree and say you're never being encouraging if you ever say anything that's actually truthful if it means they have to change. And that's not biblical, right? Truthful. Be willing to address what needs to be addressed. Galatians 6.1 says to address gently, and lovingly and respectfully, carefully with them, but addressing it. You care enough, you love enough to be able to talk even about a few of those more uncomfortable topics. That's encouragement. Man, it is well-rounded. It is supportive. It is gentle. It is aware. And yes, it's truthful. Be that with all of those around you in the church. That's the language we're called to bear. And as Timothy is being challenged by Paul to use this language, right? He's saying, as the pastor set the tone, set the pace, but here's what your church should be like. Super encouraging. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him, the older man, as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, He's like, hey man, just consider the whole church as the family of God, right? You've heard us use that term a bunch around here. In fact, that's been used for centuries that every single believer in the church is fam. Know that, man. When you're talking to somebody else in a ministry you're serving alongside, when you're hurting with somebody else, when you're visiting somebody in the hospital, when you're coming over to talk with someone, this is family, You love them with all you've got. You've got a sacrificial love laid on the line. Think of them as family, as fathers and mothers, as brothers, as sisters, 
and go after a care accordingly. Encourage, don't punish. Lift up, but be real. May God get all the glory. And that is a powerful, powerful call to a church on fire. Gently, honestly going after our king. You know, he says in the end here with this three words, in all purity. And uh, there's a little bit of discussion about what that attaches to. Does it attach to all of it? I think it probably mostly attaches to the last phrase, the younger women as sisters in all purity. Probably best it attaches there, saying, hey, be careful, Timothy, as you're dealing with younger women, as you're showing some respect to them as a gender, as you're caring for them and compassionately loving them, keep it on the up and up. Be pure, right? Be wise in the words you use. Be careful about the being alone with. Watch what it looks like. Be cautious about how you spend your time with the opposite sex, Timothy. Show a lot of respect there. And uh, just so you know, man, we as pastoral staff, we've got some pretty high sets of um, boundaries for ourselves. We end up being really careful with this, trying not to be alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Uh, If we're counseling and the advocate isn't able to be there and we have to spend some time with them, then either the door is open or we have somebody else sit in with us. We don't give somebody a ride of the opposite sex if we're alone. Like we try to find somebody, we try to be that help and a a couple of us will give that ride, but we're not gonna try to be alone with the opposite sex. Why? Just to be able to protect you. We love you. We care for you. And in all purity and respect, we're treating you as fam and we're making it show that we are following the God of the universe. And that's what he's talking about. Have some deep respect and love and care for all of those around you. I just got to tell you, this, this church rocks this. Like you guys are phenomenal with this. This isn't uh, really coming down hard in any way. This is just a continued encouragement. Way to go. Keep it up, right? Keep those words going. Keep those letters going. You guys know how to care so well. I, I, when I chose this series of passages, I had no idea that I'd be talking about caring for others in the church the week after I broke three ribs, right? I told you I'd tell you a little more about the story. Uh, So for those of you who heard the rumor that maybe I fell out of a tree, no, right? Did not fall out of a tree. I always wear a safety harness. I always hook in. I always hook out when I'm already on the ground. That's not happening. Not going to fall out of a tree. Super careful with that. Uh, No, I tripped on a hole. That's how vicious it was. I was walking in the grass, missed it. You know, you slip in the woods a bunch of times. I happened to trip on this. It was on the edge of a little down slope. And as I lost a little bit of my balance, took a couple of uh, running steps to try to catch it going down this slope and fell a little awkwardly with my arm under me and my elbow hit the ribs and bruised the front and broke three ribs in the back. Beautiful, right? So uh, that's the story. And uh, just so you know, that's what happened. Uh, doing well a week in and I'm doing okay. You can see I'm breathing and talking and sitting up and all that stuff. So uh, things are coming along okay. Uh, praise God for that. Here's what I have to say though. Love you guys. Love the care that you've provided for our home. The emails that have come in, the written letters, just checking up just to let me, let me know, let our family know you're praying. Uh, dropping off some meals or offering to do so. And, and it's just so many of you doing so many caring things. Like we show a great respect for those in this church. And you guys have just shown such a sweet care into our family this past week. 
I love that when I reach out to care for somebody else, I find out that dozens of you have already been there and are caring quickly and on the job. And we know how to care. Please hear me. We are the family of God. We are adopted into his home. And we are fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. And we will care. And all of God's people said, I know, not loud enough, not big enough. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May this church have the earmark of caring for the children of God. May he get all the glory. So simple question, how are you doing at reaching out? How are you doing at caring for others? How are you doing at watching your words and making sure that you're lifting up and that you're being truthful as you do it? May God get all the glory. Let's care with all we've got. Okay? Point number two, care for those who have lost their spouse with careful and detailed plans. Care for those who have lost their spouse with careful and detailed plans. Now, the next chunk of verses here, there's actually like 13 verses here that are all talking about some very specific need and a very specific solution that was brought down in the early church. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that applies to us here today as well, all right? So here we go. It says, honor widows who are truly widows. Let that settle. Honor widows who are truly widows. What does that mean, truly widows? Like honor widows who aren't faking it, they really lost their spouse? No, that's not what he means. Like we use the word widow to mean we have lost our spouse, our loved one, and we've gone through a world of hurt. That's what it means to be a widow. But what they were using the word for meant more than that. It meant all alone. And we'll see that come up in the verses following here. It means no children, no grandchildren, no extended family to care for you. You've lost your last care protector, your spouse. You are now all alone, truly a widow. That's what he's talking about, all right? A horrible situation to be in. And he's like, church, make sure that you are stepping up. Honor them, care for them, protect them, provide for them. Make sure that you hurt with them and you hurt along with them. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a woman has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. I love this phrase. Paul's like, hey, if there's children or grandchildren, those children and grandchildren have a responsibility. Let them step it up. His statement is, let them take care of their own household and bring some return to the parents. Paul's like, man, parents, you are pouring it on with the kids all the time. Kids, give back to your parents in their highest time of need. Ready? And all of God's parents say, Amen, man. This is a huge calling. He's like, let's make sure that we are a caring family. Don't let your mom and dad go without the protection and coverage that you can provide and give them. Kids, reach out and care for your mom. If she's lost her husband and you're around as fam, you bring her in, you care for her with all you've got. You make sure she's covered correctly and rightly. All right? A healthy church will always call the families to stand up and do their job first and foremost. You hear me on that? A healthy church on fire is going to call the families of the church to care for their extended families first and foremost. A healthy church is not just a giant welfare state. 
where the church cares for everybody and all the families are deadbeat. That is not a healthy church. A healthy church is families caring for their loved ones and then reaching out even beyond. And then the church as a whole ends up reaching in and covering those who have nobody to care and cover for them, okay? Really huge deal that we grasp that. Healthy families protect your families. In fact, he even goes on from there. He says, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Simply put, God smiles at that. God smiles at families taking care of families. And uh, yeah, it can be difficult at times. And yeah, there can be heartache and tears. And yeah, it could be a little bit of frustration or concern along the way. Man, reach into those heartaches, okay? He says, she who is truly a widow left all alone. So again, just like verse three said, truly a widow left all alone, no children, no grandchildren, no extended family to care for her. She who is truly alone, who has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So she's truly a widow left all alone and she set her hope on God like she's saved. I've got my hope and faith in Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in him as my king, saved, right? So she's got her hope in God, saved. And then it says, and supplications and prayers night and day. Now we use that phrase in the English, night and day, to kind of mean a duration. Oh man. I was doing that like day and night, like, it, like this huge long period of time. And that's not what it means here though. This is actually in a different form there. It's called the genitive form. It's probably talking more specifically to times and uh, this prayer that's going on in the night and then a prayer that's going on in the day. There's set times. There is devoted commitment to prayer. That's what's going on. Devoted commitment to her love for her God. She is in and saved, and she is devoted to her king and loves him with all she's got. That's what this is talking about. A saved one who loves the Lord and is bringing it regularly, devotedly. Think of Anna, Luke chapter 2, verse 37. She was actually a widow who was in the temple. She was able to hold the baby Jesus after he was born and to be able to celebrate the Messiah coming. And it said she was in the temple and she prayed night and day. The same phrase here that Paul used. It meant devoted and committed. She was one of those widows who had lost her loved one, who was being cared for by the church there uh, as she reached into the temple and beyond. And then she was praying devotedly and regularly. It says she who is... Self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Let that word settle. This seems really harsh. Like there's the woman who hopes and is devoted and then there's self-indulgent, she's dead. And like, just so we're clear, that's because the first one meant saved. So the second one is the unsaved. Like they're just doing whatever they want for themselves. This isn't about the Lord. They don't have a hope in the Lord. They aren't devoted to him. They're going after themselves and whatever they want and whatever feels good. And if they can get something from the church, they'll take it. But they're sure not committed in their worship to him. They're not faithful. They're not honoring him. They're not saved. And they're saying, I just want to take from this church. He's like, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the person we're talking about. We're talking about a widow, truly a widow, who is saved and on fire and devoted to Jesus Christ in the church and in the family of God, okay? He says, now command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. He's like, tell the church, don't keep it a secret, Timothy. This isn't just for you to know. Make sure the whole church grasps that this is how it should go down. Why is he saying that? 
Paul's like, I'm just telling you, I've seen this go wrong. I've seen the churches getting stuck on this where they're beginning to care for people who are just taking advantage of the church. They're unwinding the place. They're not living for Jesus Christ. They couldn't care less. They're just on the take. Remember, the church is not a welfare state. The church is trying to take care of those who are saved, trusting in God, have taken a vow to be committed to him, and they've lost all of their loved ones. They're in dire need. There's going to be a little bit more requirement even given in just a second here. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And if we don't care for those in our fam, in our extended fam, if we don't care for those in our immediate fam, and it's horrific. It's like, man, even those who are unbelievers know to be doing that. Even unbelievers have the wherewithal to say, I love this person and I care for them. I'm going to work for their best. That's worse than what an unbeliever would perform like. And you know the God who is love. Man, if you know the God who is love and you worship the God who is love, make sure your care looks like you worship the God of love. So take care of your fam. Take care of your extended fam. Be willing to reach in and be that stopgap for them. Ready? And all of God's family said, amen, man, this is a huge calling. And for those of you who have older loved ones, you know this becomes a big burden to be able to reach in. Don't make your life all about your simplicities. Make sure you're willing to reach in and care for those around you. And the church on fire is going to make sure that families stand up and do their due diligence in taking care of their loved ones. All right? Now, he begins into a little statement here about what it looks like to take care of the widow who doesn't have anybody around to be cared for. So let's be really careful about how we talk about this and let's make some sense out of it. He says, let a widow be enrolled if. Let a widow be enrolled So they were clearly taking some kind of list. They were putting names down. They were getting the name on the list and they were making some commitment here. And it's not really detailed about what happened if you were enrolled in this list. But what we do know is it was providing for the financial care. It was providing for the daily sustenance, food, clothing, shelter. It was making sure that she was protected, this widow. Let a widow be enrolled in the church if. And he's going to explain some details here. I'll say it this way. Picture this a lot like social security provided by the church in those early days. Social security provided by the church in those early days. Maybe say it this way. A little more stable than social security (laughs) provided by the church in those early days. All right? And so it really is. It's about the church being able to provide in various ways. Maybe say it this way. It's like the church coming alongside as a husband or a father to this one who is hurting, who has lost her husband and is so longing for care and protection. Come alongside, wrap your arms around and provide for her. Let her be enrolled, okay? So enroll the widow in and care for her. Now, there's a little bit of detail about who should be enrolled. This is super detailed, man. So I really appreciate the detail that God went to in uh, letting us know how the early church took care of things. Um, please know this, as we dive into this, this isn't a talking about just dropping a meal off at their house. Like, hey, I love you. How are you doing? Uh, Here's a Portillo's meal. 
right? It's not talking about stopping by just to let them know you love them. This is talking about a commitment day and night until the day they die to keep them covered and protected always. It's that level of care, big care, not just here and there care, making sure and checking in. Always be writing notes, be sending a text, be dropping a meal off to care for somebody. Sure, that's great, but this is formal protection on a daily, regular basis, all right? Okay, here we go. Three things that are required for someone to be enrolled, for a widow to be enrolled. Number one, not less than 60 years old. She had to be older than 60, okay? And there's things that were going on socially there with caring for family and the ability to have kids and all of that, but had to be older than 60 years old. Number two, the wife of one husband. Literally, this says a one-man woman. That's the exact opposite of what we saw in 1 Timothy 3 when it was talking about elders and it said a one-woman man, right? This means faithful to her spouse, a one-man woman. She had one man. She had no eyes or heart for another. She took care of him. She was faithful to him. She honored him along the way. She was a one-man woman, a wife of one husband. So older than 60, she was faithful in her walk with him. And then she had a reputation for good works. She had a reputation for good works. She didn't all of a sudden just like jump into this, trying to fake it in order to get some kind of care from the church. She's clearly saved and it shows in how she cared for others. She had a reputation for good works. Now he goes into a little list here that we can jump through real fast. What does it mean to have a reputation for good works? She brought up her children. Uh, Really that's like the word nurturing there, caring. She was raising them up and her kids were thriving. She did a great job of it. That's what's implied in the word. Not just she had kids, but she helped them thrive, all right? She brought up children. She showed hospitality. She was willing to share what she had with others. She was hospitable. She shared what she had as possession with others, and she was very caring along the way. She washed the feet of the saints. She was humble. She was humble. She knew how to put herself on the ground and become a servant to care for others around her. It wasn't make much of me. It was make much of my God. And I'm willing to care for those around me. Humble. And then she cared for the afflicted and she was compassionate. She was willing to help in all kinds of trial and trouble. And then last one, she devoted herself to every good work. She was in all over the place. She loved to care. She was worshiping Jesus Christ. She had a hope in him. She was regular in her prayer, faithful, and she had all these good works going on. She's clearly saved, right? Who is enrolled in? It's a very unique privilege that the church was bringing in almost to a social security kind of system was that very unique, dedicated person who had lost everyone, but she was faithfully committed to the Lord. What an awesome, awesome statement of the power of the church. It says, but refuse to enroll Remember I said, encouragement brings truth, right? And so he's like, look, man, I love you and I want to make sure the church is encouraging, but it isn't at the expense of the church and just use and abuse. Let's get real. Let's get practical. And so here's the people who shouldn't be enrolled. Refuse to enroll younger widows. So if you had lost your spouse, but you were under 60 years old, not yet, right? Hang on. So that was the first thing, younger widows. Then here's the next. It says, um, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation, having abandoned their former faith. 
Man, you read that fast and you just skip on. It sounds like it just said, if you get married, you don't love Jesus, right? And be careful, that's not what it's saying. If they got enrolled into this program, they were taking a vow that they would regularly, day and night, be committed to the Lord and to prayer and to ministries and to bringing service out into those in need for representative from the church. That was their commitment. To enroll in was them committing to be in this and committed to God. He was now their husband. And he's like, and now all of a sudden they're breaking their vow. It's like this whole Jesus thing isn't good enough for them. They're black marking the name of Jesus as they said, yes, I am willing to enroll with him alone being my care net and I'm going to lean on him. Never mind, I can't do that. Like that, he's saying, be careful. You're going to end up going back on your word. And in fact, it's going to show that the whole time you were really just on the take anyway. And uh, so here's his request. And don't be hasty to jump into this spot. It's not wrong to be able to go and get married again. It's not wrong to be carrying a job. It's not wrong to have responsibilities and to carry purpose of other sorts in this world. He's like, don't be hasty to step out of those roles and jump into this enrollment in widowness because this enrollment into the church had very specific commitments to God and to the ministries and the faith of the church there, all right? So very specifically, he says, look, it's not wrong to go and get married, but it would be wrong to say, I swear I'll never get married. Please care for me. All right, now I've had enough. I'm going to go get married. Now you're just taking advantage of the church. Don't do that. So younger widows, hang on. Look for that job. Look for that responsibility. Look for that privilege that you can lean into. Maybe it's even getting married or taking care of a new family, an extended family in a different way and being wise to that. It's a huge deal. And uh, he says, um, besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Um, Paul's not pulling a punch here, right? He's like, let me just tell you something. The worst thing you can mix together is a lot of time on your hands, a lot of healthy mindset, body energy, but no place to put it. And so you start getting involved in everybody else's affairs. It's just a natural thing. Unfortunately, I would have to say, I think that's a lot of what social media does to all of us nowadays. We turn on social media and we start becoming the latest busybody into whatever thing we read next. We got to be careful, man. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Have you heard that phrase, right? What does that mean? It means he loves when we're bored and we got a lot of energy and ability. So he's saying, hey, man, be careful. If you're younger than 60 years old, you got a lot of fire in the, in the furnace still. You got a lot of energy and you got a lot of impact that you can be bringing. Bring it in whatever way God so sees fit. Now, to be fair, just to bring in a little bit of an understanding of our society today, right? So we have a government that does some level of protecting as long as social security lasts, as long as there's other provisions. You may even have investments and and there's things you could do to be providing for yourself. And so being a widow doesn't even mean necessarily that the daily needs are all that much at risk. Necessarily, it might be that they're gravely at risk, but you could be covered pretty well there. But one thing we do have is a high opportunity for ladies to be able to get jobs and to be able to serve and to be able to do various things in this workplace and make a monstrous impact for a long period of time. And praise God for that. That's a huge difference between now 
in the cultural setting then. Notice he never says, do these things, and then ties it to some theological truth. He's tying it to the practical truth that there was no other protection for the women than to have a family around them, either their extended family or some new family or the church. Now, we got a few other options today. And so, ladies, having a job, there's nothing wrong with that. And being able to pray, and if God so provides a family and getting married again, there's nothing wrong with that. And for all of us together to wisely be coming alongside each other, and for us as a church pastoral staff to hurt with you. And please hear me. I hear the word widow, and my heart breaks. I do not want to hear that pain and that heartache and that sorrow. And this world is broken and it does bring a lot of hurt and we hurt with you. And our heartache is with you. And we long to come alongside of you. And maybe it's in calling your family together to care better for you. Maybe it's just in making sure you have your I's dotted, your T's crossed and things covered. Maybe it's in trying to figure out how to get better care going forward but we're willing and longing to be there with you and for you. Please know this, you are not alone. And I would leave this even for the widower, for our guys in the church who have lost a loved one. Man, it's hard to be alone. I'm just telling you this last week, broken ribs, dude, I can, I still, I can't get out of bed without my wife lifting me up on the count of three. Like there's times where we need help. And I still can't put all the core and ab thing in without the ribs just screaming. There's certain times where you need help. And uh, we just got to make sure we have each other covered. May we be a church on fire with care. May we practically, reasonably, longing to care for the family of God, long to see him covered. And all of God's people said, man, man. I'm just going to ask the worship team to be coming out. We've got a verse and a half here to finish real quickly, but as they're getting ready and getting set, let's just walk through this. It says, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. He's like, let's do this as a team. Families, you've got it. And church, we need to have the backup. And may we work together on this and may we hurt together on this. And I, I feel the pain of a lost loved one. And we as a staff are hurting with you and for you. We're there with you. Let's do this together. May we all have each other arm in arm. May God get all the glory. And he closes it with, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. The church's job is to make sure we stand in there and we become the husband and we become the father. But please hear me but not a welfare state that does it for everyone all the time, no matter what, only where all other fail-safes are gone, then we need to be standing in. God has a plan. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.